Welcome to A Dose of True Crime, the podcast with a penchant for poison. I'm your host and resident toxicologist, Erin. Thank you so much for being here this week. Last week, I had a little audio trouble in the episode, so thank you to those that let me know. I'm definitely learning as I go, and the occasional snafu is bound to happen. But again, I appreciate you being here, and I appreciate your support. So if you have been enjoying the show, please follow the podcast on whatever platform you're using and do your friends a favor and introduce them to the newest true crime podcast. Share the show. So without further ado, we will get started on this week's story. In 2008, Gurjeet Chung was 21 and living in London apart from her family. Originally from India, Gurjeet was working on English and trying to make a life for herself in England. In October of that year, a friend mentioned that her brother, the friend's brother, was looking to settle down with a wife and start a family. This friend introduced Gurjeet to her brother, a 39-year-old man named Lakvinder Chima. Nicknamed Lucky, he was a very charming man who was working as a cleaner at the time. He and Gurjeet began seeing each other and quickly announced their engagement in November of 2008. They began planning a wedding for Valentine's Day of the following year. A few weeks after becoming engaged, Lucky fell ill. He was rushed to the hospital by family with abdominal pain, vomiting, and weakness. Lucky's family called Gurjeet to let her know of Lucky's collapse and she rushed to the hospital to be by his side. After navigating the sterile halls to find her fiancé, Gurjeet entered the hospital room to be met by a surprise. Another woman was waiting at Lucky's bedside. Lucky had been married once before. As a younger man, he married his first wife and, after a rough divorce, moved back in with his family while he reassembled his life. In his family home, he lived with his parents and his sister and his sister's husband. Verinder, Lucky's brother-in-law, so the sister's husband, also had a sister, Lakfir. Lakfir had been married to her husband, Ankar, uh, when she was 20 years old. So they had been married for a while. It was not a match made in love, and Lakfir was very unhappy. She had born three children and cared for them while Ankar was overseas seeking treatment for his cancer. He stayed out of the picture most of the time seeking this treatment overseas, leaving Lakvir to care for their three children on her own. With her husband out of the picture and completely unaware, Lakvir set her sights on newly single Lucky. Soon after moving back into his family home, Lucky began a relationship with Lakvir. Knowing the affair would be met with horror and disgrace by their family, Lucky and Lakvir remained as private as they could be. They ended up maintaining the affair for 16 years. During that time, Lucky did eventually move out of his family home and into his own place. Lakvir, although still married, visited Lucky's home daily to clean up the house, cook his meals, do his laundry, 
and all the other duties that she determined to be wifely. Lockveer had considered divorcing her husband to be with Lucky. Upon discussing the matter with her lover, Lucky would talk her out of it. Every time, he would convince her to remain married to Ankar. Lockveer became pregnant twice during their 16-year affair, and both times, Lucky pressured her into ending the pregnancy in order to keep their affair concealed. That concealment, however, was not as successful as they thought. Verinder, Lakir's brother, and Lucky's brother-in-law, remember, he caught wind of the affair and threatened to, quote, cover his hands in Lucky's blood, end quote, for the scandalous affair. So in 2008, at 39, Lucky decided it was time to settle down and start a family. He began looking for a younger woman to marry. Eventually, his sister introduced him to Gurjeet Chun, an Indian woman new to London. After becoming engaged to Gurjeet, Lucky ended his 16-year affair with Lakvir. Lakvir, however, was not letting him end it that easily. She began bombarding Lucky's phone, begging him to call off his engagement. She called him every name of the book and alternated between screaming at him and sobbing over him. When Lucky fell ill in November, Lakvir was right there. She did not leave his side at the hospital and was extremely unhappy to see Gurjeet walk into Lucky's hospital room. Gurjeet could see the look on Lakvir's face and knew there was something between her and Lucky, and she wasted no time in getting to the bottom of this relationship with Lakvir. Gurjeet confronted Lakvir and warned her off Lucky. Gurjeet reminded Lakvir of her sick husband and the three children that needed caring, but Lakvir could not be swayed. Lakvir declared that she could not control her feelings for Lucky. Gurjeet brought these declarations to Lucky, and Lucky swore he had ended things with Lakvir, and that Lakvir was just trying to stir things up. Lakvir, meanwhile, was still attending Lucky's home, doing the cleaning and the cooking. Things deteriorated further when Lakvir was at Lucky's house and found him in bed with his fiancée, Gurjeet. Lakvir lost it. She began screaming and crying and told Lucky that she would burn his house down if he did not leave Gurjeet. Soon after 2009 started, Lucky and Gurjeet were given a break. Lakvir decided to travel to India for a few weeks and this left Lucky and Gurjeet to have a conflict-free peace for a few weeks. On Tuesday, January 27th, 2009, Lucky and Gurjeet were preparing to eat dinner. As Gurjeet warmed up some chicken curry from the fridge, she and Lucky discussed their wedding. They had planned the union for Valentine's Day, February 14th, and were working through some final decisions. Gurjeet brought the curry to the table while chatting with Lucky, and the two dug in. Lucky, listening to his fiancée, ate quickly and helped himself to seconds, while Gurjeet only ate part of her first serving. Toward the end of the meal, Lucky reported that his stomach was hurting and that he was feeling dizzy. Gurjeet started to feel nervous, and soon both Lucky and Gurjeet began noticing that their faces were going numb and it was getting difficult to speak. 
Lucky knew that his ex, Lockvere, had returned home to England recently, and he harbored suspicions about he and Gurjeet's current state. He used his phone to call emergency services and told the dispatcher that his ex had poisoned him and his fiance. After that call, he contacted his family, who rushed over to Lucky's home. When Lucky's family arrived, Lucky and Gurjeet were struggling and surrounded by vomit. Lucky, almost unintelligible, was screaming for help between bouts of vomiting and was losing the ability to move his arms and legs. Gurjeet was also violently ill and panicking. Lucky's family quickly got them into the car and sped them to the hospital. Upon arrival, Lucky was unconscious. Lucky and Gurjeet were both admitted to the hospital and providers realized that they had been poisoned. What they didn't know was what the poison was. Fearing an attack of some sort, the hospital called the police, and the police acted quickly to quarantine Lucky, Gurjeet, and the medical personnel who had been in contact with them. An alert was sent out to other law enforcement, and Lucky's home was sealed off. Only law enforcement with appropriate biohazard suits were permitted entry to observe the home and test for toxins. In the hospital, Lucky succumbed to the poison attack early the next morning, on Wednesday, January 28, 2009, at 2.36 a.m. Gurjeet was placed in a medically-induced coma for continued treatment. Gurjeet survived the attack and was eventually released from the hospital. During all this, the house was deemed safe and a mass attack was ruled out. Police began focusing on reasons for a personal attack. Verinder Singh, Lucky's brother-in-law, was reported to have threatened Lucky over the long-term affair with Lakfir. Remember the quote about covering his hands in Lucky's blood. Verinder was immediately a suspect and was arrested. Additionally, Lakfir Singh, the ex-girlfriend, uh, was questioned and police found bags of powder in her purse. When asked what it was, she claimed it was medicine for a rash on her neck. Given that Lucky had named her as the poisoner in his call to emergency services, they confiscated this powder and took Lockfear in. Tenants in Lucky's house were also questioned over the attack, and one stated that they had witnessed Lockfear entering Lucky's home on the 27th. Lockfear was seen rummaging in the refrigerator, removing the container of curry, and stirring it up before replacing it back in the refrigerator. With this interview, uh, where Lockfear had been seen in Lucky's house, police were able to release Verinder, Lockyer's brother, and he was written off. He was no longer a suspect, and Lockfear was now the primary suspect. The next hurdle was to figure out what Lucky and Gurjeet had been poisoned with. Blood samples from both victims, the curry, and the powder found in Lockvir's purse were all sent to a laboratory for forensic analysis. In all three items, the lab was able to identify a plant alkaloid and then further narrow down the toxin to something in the aconite family. An alkaloid is a chemical compound usually found in nature. Um, alkaloid compounds share a similar molecular structure and usually contain the chemical element nitrogen. At this point, the lab was stumped though. They turned to Kew Gardens, an immense botanical garden in Southwest London. 
The lab in Kew had access to plants that the forensic lab did not, and the ability to analyze the alkaloid found in the crime scene samples. The lab in Kew Gardens successfully identified the alkaloid as a component of Aconitum ferrix, a rare species of aconite found in India. The police quickly pieced together the story after that, knowing that Lakvir had recently returned from a trip to India. Lakvir Singh was charged with the murder of Lucky Chima and the attempted murder of Gurjeet Chum. The ensuing trial was quite a spectacle given the media coverage and the awful way the aconite causes death, which we will get into in more detail, I promise. Lakvir denied involvement in the murder, but all evidence suggested that she was the culprit with a significant amount of premeditation. She was found guilty of the murder of Lucky and of causing grievous bodily harm to Gurjeet. On February 11, 2010, Lakvir was sentenced to at least 23 years in jail. In Lakvir's sentencing, Gurjeet gave a victim impact statement. Quote, even though I knew him for only three and a half months, he had a very important place in my life. Now, without him, my life is extremely hard. The poisoning took me to the brink of death. I still do not feel fully recovered, and I believe it will affect me for the rest of my life. For several months, the doctors were not sure whether or not it would have long-term effects on my internal organs. I'm still under a lot of stress. It preys on my mind all the time. The time I spent in the hospital is a very difficult time for me. I did not speak English, my family were not here, and I felt completely alone and isolated. I can never forgive Lakvir. I believe she should be given the sternest sentence possible so that it deters anyone else from even considering doing this to another. So now let's jump into the science behind aconite. Aconite is a plant in the Ranunculaceae family, which contains over 400 different plant species. The plant itself has several names that you have probably heard, including monkshood, wolfsbane, and the queen of poisons. Uh, those of you that are fans of Harry Potter will remember Professor Snape using a wolfsbane potion to help keep Professor Remus Lupin from turning into a werewolf on the full moon. He also uses it to quiz Harry Potter in the first book, uh, trying to show that he did not belong in the potions class. With roots in Chinese medicine, aconite has been used to treat many ailments and diseases with careful preparation and dosage. Remember, the dose makes the poison. Within aconite, there are what we call active components. These are the chemicals that actually do something and make an impact. For aconite, these are the alkaloids that we mentioned earlier. One in particular is especially toxic, aconitine. A dose of two milligrams can kill you, with a tenth of that dose causing extreme toxicity. So aconite's toxic effects mainly impact cardiac function, so your heart, and your central nervous system function. Both systems involve the use of sodium to propagate action potentials and send messages to muscles. Specifically, aconite inhibits a tunnel that lets sodium enter a cell. Uh, 
This tunnel is called a sodium channel. When triggered, the sodium channel opens and allows sodium to enter the cell. Sodium carries a positive charge, so the interior of the cell becomes more positively charged as more sodium comes in, and the outside of the cell becomes more negative because the positive sodium is moving into the cell. This change in voltage, so where you have it going from the inside of the cell going from negative to positive and the outside going from positive to negative, that change in voltage triggers other channels to open or close, causing the electrical change to move on to the next cell. Think of it kind of like a wave moving towards shore in the ocean. The water in front of the wave is flat and starts to rise as the wave gets closer. So think of it rising as that the inside cell positive charge going up. So it's similar wave in your cells during an action potential. The electrical charge starts getting more positive, reaches a peak, and then decreases back to baseline. Then the next cell does the same thing, and the next, and the next, causing this wave of signals to flow down your cells and communicate with your muscles. Aconite stops sodium from entering your cells, which then stops the cell from becoming positively charged, which then leads to that wave of signal to be delayed. It falls behind and it's not going as fast as it should. The message is then either never received by the muscles or it's received late. In cardiac tissue, so in the tissue of your heart, that signal getting delays throws off your heartbeat. Your heartbeat beats in a very specific pattern that allows blood to enter, get more oxygen, and get pumped back out successfully. Throw that beat off and bad things happen. It leads to cardiac arrhythmias, which are like funky heartbeats that can be fatal. In the central nervous system, this impact on the ability of the brain to send messages to muscles results in the inability to control and use your limbs. On top of impacting your arms and your legs, it also impacts your gastrointestinal tract and eventually your respiratory system. The delayed and absent messages can cause intense muscle contractions in the abdomen, leading to excruciating pain, vomiting, and diarrhea, often uncontrollable. So what does this look like? After ingesting the poison, effects start in the gastrointestinal tract, so nausea, abdominal pain, etc. Then the mouth and lips start tingling and going numb. The paralysis will then spread, starting with where the poison actually touched. So your mouth, your throat, going down into your stomach, it kind of spreads out from there. And the weakening of the muscles in your limbs and your respiratory system come next. That coincides with uncontrollable vomiting and bowel evacuation. The loss of fluid from vomiting and diarrhea puts extra strain on the cardiac system, which is already struggling from the poison. Death eventually occurs from either cardiac arrest or from asphyxiation due to a combo of uncontrollable vomiting and the weakening and paralysis of the respiratory system. Most of this occurs with the victim conscious and very aware of everything. Typically, the lack of oxygen causes unconsciousness right before death. There is no direct antidote to aconite poisoning, the treatment is mainly supportive, 
meaning treatment of the symptoms. Atropine can help combat the bradycardia, so the slowing of the heart rate. Um, sometimes amiodarone can also help with cardiac arrhythmias. Other measures can include fluids and respiratory support, potentially even cardiopulmonary bypass. Cardiopulmonary bypass is a process where a machine takes over for the heart and the lungs. In aconite poisoning, these organ systems are often impacted and can fail, leading to death. Using the bypass, the victim is kept alive while the poison is worked out of the body, and the heart and lungs can begin to operate on their own again. The severity of toxicity is dependent on the dose, as seen by this case. Lucky consumed two servings of the poisoned curry, while Gurjeet only consumed one small portion. With fast action, Gurjeet survived, in part due to the smaller dose she ingested. This process is a brutal and cruel way to die, and was definitely taken into account when Lakvir was being tried and sentenced. The amount of premeditation she had to put into this murder was incredible. From traveling to India and figuring out how to procure this rare version of aconite, and then to actually get into Lucky's house and poison them, it's definitely a lot to plan. So that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the story, and I will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. To get in touch with the podcast, you can send an email to a dose of true crime at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at a dose of true crime, all one word. If you enjoyed the episode, please follow, rate, and review the podcast on whatever platform you use. See you next week for more tales of toxicity. Bye. him in his in police confiscated the bags found in lackbeer's so aconite is a plant in the ranunculate oh gosh i didn't figure out how to pronounce that